Welcome back to The Crack. Thank you so much for checking out the Nate Kelly episode. I'm buzzing for his fight this weekend. But of course, we have another Irish man competing this weekend. It is Ian Machado Gary, the man who is truly leading the line for the Irish MMA Masters at the moment. Although it's not Jeff Neal, it's a huge fight against Neil Magny. And I have a feeling we're in for a treat. I've been to Boston myself. I know how the people receive Irish people over there. And something that Ian keeps saying to people, I know people have taken exception to him saying, you know, I'm putting the show on my back and stuff, but he will be greeted like a hero in the TD Garden. And if he has another spectacular win like he had against D-Rod, I mean, I think it's going to put the wheels in motion big time, big time for a potential UFC Dublin next year. We've had all the guys on, all bar Paul Hughes, but they're all saying, well, Paul still has the sign, of course, but they're all saying this is huge. If Ian gets a big win here, this will be absolutely huge for UFC Dublin. And they're right because it will be a massive fight. Personally, I love Kevin Holland. I'd love that to be the fight because most of the stuff for Ian has been one-way traffic in terms of promotional stuff. Holland is brilliant at that. Holland is brilliant at getting people to have skin in the game, getting people emotionally invested in things like this. And I think Ian and him would be great if we get to that stage where we're matching for UFC Dublin. Of course, he does have a call-out in mind, as he told Ari Lawani. We're going to hear about that after the fight, I'm sure. But it's a very exciting time, and this guy is the one. He is the one leading the line. He is nothing short of spectacular and the best talent we've seen since Conor McGregor, without a doubt. Without a shadow of a doubt. I want to speak about George Hardwick's Dana White's Contender Series situation at the back end of the show. Of course, he was a champion like Ian. Ian got signed to the UFC directly. George Hardwick goes the... Dana White's contender series route and comes up short. And, you know, I, I put out a tweet about this, like, you know, this is tough because we're used to seeing guys who are proven to be champions. That is the last hurdle before the UFC. Whereas now we're seeing the contender series as uh, another obstacle they have to get through. And this isn't across the board. Of course, we know Reese and Kalen have been signed. But um, yeah. We'll talk about the back end of the show. I'm delighted to say Ian Machado Gary is back on the crack and he's full of beans. Man, he seems to be loving life. And why wouldn't you? Brazil, Florida, he's all over the gaff. In the best kind of way, he's all over the gaff. But um, we got a few minutes with him. Thank you to Neve Moran, the UFC. Um, we're going to be doing a write-up as well for RTE, so look out for that probably Saturday or Friday. Thank you so much to them for organizing this. We had to rush a few questions there at the end. I thought I'd get a bit more time, but I'm happy with what I got. It's always a pleasure. Here's Ian Gary. He's the front runner of Irish MMA. He is a man that has predicted what he would do and what he is doing is very, very impressive. He will look to take another step on this impressive journey when he fights Neil Magny on Saturday night at the TD Garden, a historic venue for Irish MMA, which I'm sure we'll get into in a few minutes. It is Ian Machado Gary. He's fresh off a trip to Brazil, which looked absolutely fantastic. Ian, tell me about Brazil. That looked absolutely amazing. Oh, PT, PT. Brazil, Brazil was so special. So, so special. I'm, I can promise you now, I'm retiring and moving to Brazil. 100%. I'm done. I'm in love with it. The food, the people, the energy of the country and the passion that the country has for everything that they do. It's just different. And I'm excited to go back. How is it traveling with kids? All my friends complain about traveling with kids. You do it effortlessly. This is, seems to be, you have it down. You haven't even been a dad that long and you're already <laughs> slam dunking this stuff. Listen, look, 
Leo, right, has been on probably 25 flights and he's nine months old. The guy gets in a car or gets on a plane and literally 10 minutes in will look around and go, boo, 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 give me boo, I want to sleep. And then he's just out for the whole thing. He is incredible. Now, I am very, very aware that I am very blessed that most kids aren't like that. I've also seen, bro, here's what it is. I'm the type of guy that when I'm on a flight and I see a kid upset and crying, my wife is there with my baby asleep. I'm going to go and go cuddle that other kid and say, hey, you okay? What's up? I'll go play with him. Hey, how's things? Because it's awkward, but I just feel like I'm a good person. I'm a good dad. I have a lot of fun. I bring a good energy and I just want everyone to be happy. And I, I have that with my kid. My kid feels so much love, so much joy, and he sleeps like his daddy. He gets on somewhere, he goes, I'm going to go to bed now, and he passes out. Um, but also, Abiva, I'm, I'm blessed from above. Like, I'm, I'm well aware that my journey, my lifestyle is hectic and chaotic, and it, in, it involves a lot of travel. And I believe that the big man above looked after me and goes, we're going to give you a kid that sleeps really well. He's great, man. He, he seems like he's having an absolute ball on this adventure he's that you're all on together. Um, I love what you said on Ariel's show about being the new generation of athlete, which which I believe, but also about the rest. And when you were saying that, I was picturing all the people I've covered over the years and how their bodies can be at the end of that career, right? Like when they're my age, when they're 35, 36, like most black belts I know can barely walk. And, uh, and, and, the and hands so are like, all bent and shit. They can't, they can't. It's bro. It is such, sorry to interrupt you, but it's no, such a pivotal point in being an elite athlete. We have seen it, you, we have seen it through history, right? When you look at what boxing used to be and what boxing is, right? You see technology grow. You see the difference in the gloves, the shorts, the shoes, the ring, the stadiums, right? Everything has changed so simply. And we're only talking about leather and, 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 and foam and inserts, it's not that much, but how much more elite does it make the other fighter? When we talk about football, how on earth can you tell me that Pele running in fields that were absolutely nowhere near as manicured as they are today, in boots that are nowhere near as evolved as they or te technologically advanced as they are today, if he was to run today, wouldn't be faster than an Mbappe or wouldn't have a better opportunity to go out there and show the balls. I was in Maracanã in Brazil. I seen the fucking boots and the balls that they played with. Mate, wow. there's no there's no arguing it that the game and the evolution of sports will always and is inevitable. It is always going to grow and evolve. But people from the olden days think that you've got to grind. You've got to work yourself to the bone. If you're going home and you're not exhausted and you're not working hard enough, fuck that there's no way you know what if i wake up and i feel like shit you know what i want to do pizzi i want to go play some golf i want to go walk for four hours have some fresh air let my body relax recover get a massage eat some good food let my body feel good give it the time it deserves to rest and recover so that the next day i can go and be the most elite i can possibly be my schedule goes like this i spar one day i take the next day off i spar the day after that I take the next day off. That is how the two weeks before my fight goes. <clears throat> I spar. I work at such an elite level. I push my body beyond what humans should be able to push their body to. I put my. I move it so fast. 
I put it under so much stress for 15 minutes, 20 minutes of a spar. And then I respect the rest that it deserves. I go home, I sleep, I eat good. I do a, I do a sauna or an infrared sauna to let my muscles heal, recover. I eat all the right foods. So that the next day when I go to spar, I pick up exactly where I left off and I push myself beyond the limits of where most humans can push themselves. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, and look, you've had an eventful few weeks that the opponent change. And as you rightfully say, a lot of people tend to look at the person who, you know, wasn't on the card for us and say, oh, this guy, fair play to him. He's taking this on short notice. But you too are taking this on short notice. And Neil Magny is a veteran, a guy that you wanted to fight. Now, I know we have to factor in this short notice element for both you guys. But I hear yes. a lot of people saying, if this was, if they were both given the same amount of time, Neil Magny is a better fight for Ian Gary than Jeff Neal. What do you say to those people? Um, I think whoever I'm fighting, I will find <laughs> my way to win. And it is irrelevant of who the opponent is, to be absolutely honest, because the way I work, the cerebral approach I take to fighting, and the way I can watch and break people's games down, and the way I can plan and prep with my team and my family that I've built around me, it doesn't matter who I fight. I will always find a way to win and get a spectacular finish. I had everything ready for Jeff Neal. I pulled the 14th ranked middleweight in Chris Curtis across America to spar to get ready for Jeff Neal. Jeff Neal pulls out. Okay, sweet. No problem. We're waiting for word. We're waiting for word. We're waiting for word. Who's the opponent? Who's the opponent? Who's the opponent? I find out it's Neil Magny. Sweet. Phil Rowe, what's up? How are you, bro? Yeah, I need help. Can I come up to Orlando and inspire you? Yeah, sweet. Cool. I do a three-hour drive up to Orlando that day. I drive home. I go back two days later. Do you know what I mean? I have the ability and the abundance of people to make connections with. And, and when you need help, you, can, you ask people for help. People are willing to help. I needed someone's help to find the range. Neil Magny is six foot three and has an 80-inch reach. Phil Rowe is 6'4 and has an 80 and a half inch reach. So when Pete, when it comes to distance and reach and range, I've found it. I'm That's ready. Nice. That is really so, cool. That's really cool that you do that. I was going to ask you about Chris Curtis, funnily enough, Ian. You might have heard. <laughs> he is uh, withdrawn from his fight. Are we shocked by this, Ian? I feel, based on the video that you posted, I, I think you may have known that this could have been a possibility. I just feel bad for the guy. I like him so much. He's such a nice guy. He's a great guy. And we were just barren. There was no malintent. There was no aggression. Like, by chance, I have the footage of the entire spar, and I'm never going to release any of it because of what it is. And it was just one perfect kick that landed right on the front of his ribs. And I just feel so bad that he's out because he's such a good guy. I want to see him succeed so much. Um, and it's just unfortunate. But at the end of the day... When you're meeting up with some of the best guys in the world to spar and get ready for a fight, shit happens. Yeah, absolutely. Did he, Did he? Uh, obviously this, the video was out a couple of days before he's the injury. Did, he's did nuts. Petey, he's nuts. He wanted to continue. He I came saw. in the next day. He came in the next day and I was training. And Layla, my wife, was sat there being like, oh my goodness, Ian, Chris is mad. Go over and talk to him. He's hitting the bag. And he thinks he's broken his rib or separated something. And he's throwing a shot in the bag. And Layla was like, listen to him. Go home. Go home. Relax. And he's like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm like, you are too tough for your own good. 
did they did they get upset like when you post a video obviously like your social media is huge what you're doing yeah. now whatever the hell you're doing is, is doing tremendously but do they get upset because you have to deal with these guys right <laughs> like when you put this up this is another professional fighter don't think for a second that we just post stuff without asking permission of the people that are involved okay i would never ever post a video especially of someone that I have asked for help to travel across America, someone I flew from from Vegas to to Miami to help me get ready for a fight. I'm not going to do them dirty. I want to make sure that if I'm posting a video, I thought the video was dope because he's like, I want to keep going. He's like, Layla, make him fight. I'm like, no, I'm not going to. Oh, it's a great video. No denying. I want to get, look, all I, all I remember, PT, is when Connor used to post those 10 or 15 seconds of him sparring, or we see 10 or 15 seconds of Michael Tanner rolling with Kamaru Usman. And it's it's stuff like that that we're like, oh, that's a, it's cool. It's behind the scenes footage. And the truth is the, the rounds you see at the gym are, are, are in so many ways so much more interesting than any fight that you see in the UFC because it's comfort. People feel comfort in being in the gym, surrounded by their friends. They've gone to that same place every day. They can win there and they can be themselves. When people go under those bright lights in front of 20,000 fans, it changes their approach. It changes the person they are. It doesn't change me. I'm the same fucking guy. If anything, I get worse. If anything, I get more aggressive. If anything, I get way louder. So, yeah, I never ever will do anyone dirty with any footage like that. And we will always ask for consent. Is it okay? Do you post this? Do you want? And he literally went, yeah, I don't give a fuck. Go ahead. I was like, all right. I think what you're saying is like you are a, a new era here. Like I think you're moving in different ways, not just in the the octagon, but obviously outside of the octagon. And it's I think there's a culture clash sometimes. I I I wonder if there is. Should I say like when I I don't think you you have any malice at all towards say like a wonder boy. I've seen you post saying this guy's amazing, but then I wonder when you go and call him out, is he like, well, what's going on here? I thought we were mates. Like, <laughs> do you ever get? Like, do you know how he feels about these things? And again, I think it's I, new to them, right? No, I think, I look, there's there's rumors and there's stuff of like Usman and Wonderboy fighting in MSG. Yeah. I don't want to watch Usman try to take Wonderboy down for three rounds or five rounds if it's a five-round fight. I have no interest in watching that. I have no interest in watching one of the greatest strikers that has ever entered this sport be taken down. I want to see his beauty on his feet. I want to see him strike and do what we're all excited for. So when you sit down, we talk about Wonderboy. Would you rather see Wonderboy fight Usman or would you rather see Wonderboy fight Ian Machado Gary? I mean, you don't have to ask me. And you know, you know what I'm picking straight away. But it's, calling... a genu- but it's a genuine fucking answer. Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's, it, it's me. You want to see him fight me. Because if me and Wonderboy fought for five rounds, could you imagine? Could you imagine? The skill sets that you would see on display in that octagon, the striking that would be on just the entire stadium would lose its shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, 100%. I've been at a few Wonderboy fights as well. I've seen him at MSG. I've seen him at the yes. Echo against Till. Um, but a correlation that I'm seeing, and I, it's crazy once again. Connor, you mentioned Connor there. Connor's first fight in Boston was against Max Holloway. And Obviously, he had to, to go and get his knee worked on afterwards. But the fight we saw after that was, of course, in Dublin. And you keep making this point, And I don't sometimes I don't think people understand what you're saying. When the Boston crowd receives you 
and you do what you do here. So if it all goes the way it's going, the way it when, has gone so far, when, right? When it's go- when okay. when it goes the way it's supposed to go. Okay. They're going to go crazy. I've been in Boston. I know how the people react. They they absolutely love Irish people, people from the motherland. I think Dana White's going to be very excited when he sees the reaction these people and I, and I and I think it might be the final nail in the coffin, the coffin to get this Dublin show done. Is that what you're looking at? Like, because a lot of people are putting a lot of hopes on you at this stage. Yes, I believe that this is the final. The, the final, as you as you just said, I feel I feel like this is the the cherry on top per se. This is me. This fight for me, PC, is about me breaking into the top ten. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to finish Neil Magny. However, the fight is going to be finished, and I'm going to be ranked in the top ten of the welterweight division come the Monday following the fight. But also, we're in Boston. There's a massive Irish contingent here. When I walk out, when I walk out, when I finish the fight, when I'm at the weigh-ins, when I'm at the press conference, you're going to feel the energy of the Irish there. They're going to be behind me. They're going to be out in full force. And it's going to show, holy shit, this kid is legit. He has got the whole of Ireland behind him. And this is in Ireland. This is Boston. We're in America still. You take us to Ireland and you you feel this same energy here. You feel this energy in Boston. Imagine what it'd be like in Dublin. Imagine what this kid can do in Dublin. So for me, this is where we show how big the Irish support is. As a, as a brand for the UFC, look what, it's, look what the Irish support has done. But for me specifically as a fighter, look at what the Irish have done. Look at what the Irish are going to do on, on Boston, in Boston. At UFC 292, watch the way they get behind me and tell me that we shouldn't and we don't deserve a UFC, a UFC Dublin after this. And I believe it'll be I believe it'll be 2024 because I want to fight in December in Vegas. And that'll push me even closer up the rankings and give me even more pull to sit there and go, right, I'm not fighting until we fight for it in Ireland. That's it. Oh, and one final question, Ian. Um, how does it feel to be the McGregor of this group? You are the guy leading the line. And I said this to you years ago. You were you were just starting in Cage Warriors. And I, was well, like, I said it to you. We, we agreed with each other. We you. agreed with each other. <laughs> <laughs> but you are now, like, your hero. The footsteps he walked in, you are leading the line now. And you got all these guys. Caelan Lochran saying to me, oh, can't, oh, Ian, I can't wait to see Ian. If Ian wins this event, it's going to be so huge. How does yes. it feel to be leading the line, man? You're here. You've made it. I've said it for so long, PT, and it sounds so funny, but it's like whether there's an army of Irish fighters behind us getting ready or it's just me, we're still fighting for Ireland. We still have that Irish pride. It, the fact that me having success can transfer to somebody else having success and wanting to have success, like a Kalen, like a Paul Hughes, like a Reese McKee, like all of these guys, and they're going, Ian's doing it. Why can't we? Ian's doing it. Look at him. He's doing it. Let's all, let's all get ready. Let's all push and let's all go. I am flying the flag for Ireland in the UFC. I'm about to break into the top 10. There's no reason why every single other guy behind me can't. You just got to work hard. You got to respect the rest and you got to be brilliant like me. That's brilliant, Dean. Thank you so much. I can't wait to see the fight and big love to all your team. PT, as always, I love you. And we will be back in Ireland after this fight. Let's meet up and do an in-person interview. I'd love to do that. I'd love to do it. Let's do it. Let's do it out. I'll talk to you soon. If you're an Irish MMA fan and you listen to that and you didn't get very excited by what he was saying at the end, I don't know what I can do for you. 
I mean, I did I did want to ask him um a few things about the, the Jake Paul deal that he signed, which is absolutely huge with better. Um I wondered if he was offered a forged Irish stout deal because it seems a lot of the UFC guys have. I just wonder if they don't feel that fits his brand. I don't think Ian's a drinker at all. But um I was curious to ask, but we were short on time, as you know, and I of course wanted to ask him about Paul Hughes not being signed. And potentially about George Hardwick, but we didn't get there. Again, Ian's fight is at the TD Garden this weekend, a huge fight in Boston. And I believe a spectacular show in here will really get the juices flowing for Dana White and that potential and hopeful UFC Dublin guard. George Hardwick, as I said at the start, you know, I put out this tweet saying, you know, this is tough that he had to fight another champion. Both these guys, in my opinion, are good enough to be UFC caliber. You're talking about a brave champion. This is where Hamza came from. This is where Makayev came from. Proven stock. And Cage Warriors, I mean, the list is endless of people who went in. Some of the reactions are like, oh, well, he had to win this fight. Yeah, I understand what Dana White's contender series is. But the problem is you used to not have to win that fight. And as I said at the top, this isn't across the board. It's not every single fighter. But so far, I think four Cage Warriors people have gone through maybe... To mind, it's Jack Cartwright, George, obviously, Hadley, and Corey McKenna. Hadley and McKenna won, and Cartwright and Hardwick lost. Now, I'm hopeful that Hardwick will be given an opportunity because he's, he's, he's really quality. But if not, the whole Cage Warriors thing, you know, it, it's like that work is, has been discarded nearly if you lose on Dana White's Contender Series. Like we're seeing Cartwright signing for Octagon now. And things like that and octagon are great and everything but when you know that these this is their dream to be in the ufc you know it's, it's tough it's tough and, and i get it like you're on contender series you have to win and that's that's the role but i just feel like it's it's tough to have that extra obstacle put in front of you when you've proven yourself to be one of the best guys in europe and then i also had people saying you know these cage warriors guys can't do anything ian gary the guy we're just talking to is a cage warriors champion tom aspinall surging Tom Aspel, another Cage Warriors vet. Arnold Allen, another Cage Warriors vet. There's so many. It, it, it's absolutely crazy. There's so many good fighters that have come through there. Like, Look, you can go Conor McGregor, Ioanni and Jacek, uh, Michael Bisping, Dan Hardy, absolute legends have come through there. Gegard Mousasi. You know, this this idea that Cage Warriors fighters aren't cutting the mustard, I, I don't agree with that at all. And also, people are like, you know, if you're going to lose to the top guys in the UFC, yeah, the top guys make up 15 spots in the division. There's another 35, 40 guys probably, at least. And they all played their part in making this a division. I just felt a bit sick for Hardwick. And I hope that it goes back to what it was, you know. Dana White's Contender Series, you know, was kind of branded as, you know, this toughest job interview. And it was given lots of people in America chances they otherwise wouldn't get, but that's the thing when it comes to these cage warriors guys they were already meant to get there they were already meant to get to the ufc if you've done what hardwick has done as in being the champion be of of prospect age that was meant to be the golden ticket so if the process has been elongated you know that that isn't good for europe and i know this has been talked about before by by me as well but it's just interesting to see. And I wonder what Ian Gary would have done if he, if he had to have that proposition. And then you look at the Paul situa- Paul Paul Hughes' situation and Liam Shannon told the guys on the old triangle that, you know, he the tough and contender series routes were offered and whether it was through injury or 
whatever reason that he couldn't do it, people now use that against him. Oh, well, he was offered this. Well, this is the situation you can be left in. A situation like Cartwrights where you've proven yourself in Cage Warriors and then you lose on Contender Series and then it kind of discards the work you've done there in the sense of the work you've done there was meant to put you in the UFC. Um, look, I'm sure people would disagree with me, but that's what we're used to in Europe. So that that makes it tough. And I think Hardwick's absolutely quality. Anyone can have a bad night, especially against a guy that's also a champion. And as we said, Brave, who has had really good champions in the past. Anyway, it was a pleasure speaking to both Nate and Ian this week. I'm buzzing. Everyone in Irish MMA should be buzzing. It's a big deal. Fighting Neil Magny is a big deal. It's on short notice for both of them. I like the fight for Ian. I like a lot of fights for Ian. But give me that Kevin Holland in Dublin if we're going to do it. I would love that. Have a great week. Enjoy the fights. I'll see you on Tuesday. Look out for the Ringer MMA show on Thursday, Friday on Spotify. Me and the man in the hat will be giving our takes ahead of this big, big card in Boston. Love his loads. See you soon. Thanks to Oscar. Legend.